It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, co-host of Fox and Friends and host of the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio, Brian Kilmeade. I thought that was awesome. A superstar who got very human at the end of his career who would then go for back-to-back Super Bowls. And Fox and Friends weekend co-host, Will Kane. Always be a legend in Dallas for that, and that championship was about as sweet as it gets. Come together to share their top five favorite sports moments. Here are this week's hosts, Brian and Will. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. It's time for the Fox Top 5. I'm co-host of Fox & Friends, in case you don't know. Also host of the Brian Kilmeade Radio Show on Fox News Radio. And I'm joined by my only real friend in the building because he's the <laughs> only other person allowed in the building. Fox & Friends weekend co-host Will Kane. Like you much better than Pete. You do? Yes. I'm glad we got right. that on the record. And I'm, I hope he doesn't listen to this because I'm scared of him physically, <laughs> uh, as well as his hair gel, which becomes almost like a helmet. Uh, so let's do today... Top five greatest sports moment, according to us. Let's work our way from five to one. Will, would you start? Yes, I would. Number five. Number five. Top five sports moments of my lifetime, starting with number five. I believe these don't all have to be good moments in your life, Brian. They just have to be big moments. They have to be formative moments. And the most formative moment, although coming in number five because it was a negative moment for me, is the 1981 NFC Championship game. Dallas Cowboys against San Francisco 49ers. The clock is ticking down. Joe Montana, then a relatively unknown upstart quarterback, rolls out to his right with Ed Tutal Jones bearing down on him, lofts what looks to be a throwaway pass to the back of the end zone, and Dwight Clark comes down with it for a touchdown and the win, launching the 49ers dynasty and effectively bringing it into the Dallas Cowboys dynasty of the 70s. All right, let me bring in something else to your event. Danny White, quarterback, finally going to, he has to fill in for Roger Staubach. He spends his whole career as a backup. Back then, the backups don't move. They sit and they wait. He finally gets his shot, right? And he's going to get to the Super Bowl finally and create his own legacy, and he has crushed. And that's the same San Francisco team that was so bad the year before mm-hmm. when Steve DeBerg was the quarterback and Joe Montana, third-round draft pick, Waits, And why do I know that? Because the Giants picked Phil Simms over Joe Montana in the first round out of Moorhead State. And I thought to myself, you're not going with the Notre Dame quarterback? I was six years old. I went to the bathroom. My parents had a viewing party. All the adults were in the room. I ran out of the room, went to the bathroom, and cried. Wow. First time I sports cried, but not the last. Right. It's good to weep once in a while. And for a guy who's a man's man to admit he cried, yeah. even at the age of six, I think it shows a lot. Thank you. It shows a security that I can't mirror. Here's my number five. And believe it or not, uh, so for the longest time, the Mets were a uh, really bad team. They were really good in 69, but I was four. In 73, I do remember being on the bus thinking they're beating, they're leading the mighty athletics three games to two. Are they going to win this? The answer would be no. They lose it in seven. But I was shocked because I do remember, and I almost I used to cut out headlines, they were six and a half games into last place. And I thought to myself, they're only six and a half out of first, but they were in last. They ended up rallying and winning. So that's why it's been such a drought until the year 1986. They show promise in 84. They get close in 85. And 86 are the best team in baseball. But as usual, they give, they give you leave you on the end of your seat. Mike Scott and the Houston Astros are almost unbeatable, but they find a way. Then they blow first two games against the Red Sox. And they rally back, and they end up beating the Red Sox. The ball gets by Buckner and 
in Game 6 mm-hmm. that enabled them to have a Game 7. So I'm going to tell the whole series for me, mm-hmm. uh, for the Mets to win the World Series in 1986, thinking they're going to win a bunch more. That was my number five moment. And that's that's Daryl Strawberry, Lenny Dykstra. That's those Mets, Wally right? Backman at second yep. and uh, Gary Carter yep. uh, uh, behind the plate. And uh, Tim Tuffle would rotate in in a rotation. Mm-hmm. Third base would be Ray Knight. I think he'd get the MVP. Also, Mookie Wilson would rotate in with Dykstra, mm-hmm. who would later go to the Phillies and take steroids. Uh, and then you have in the outfield, Kevin McReynolds. Uh, who might have come in 87 and then uh, Strawberry on the other side. I know we got to get through five moments, but one of my favorite stories about Lenny Dykstra, and there are a lot of Lenny Dykstra stories, but it was in Moneyball, which I don't know if you ever read, but Billy Bean talks about coming in as a five-tool, big-time prospect, and they were sitting on in the dugout watching Wild Thing, uh, Mitch... Mitch, Mitch Williams? Yes. Um, pitch. And it was all over the place. And everybody was terrified to step in the box. And Lenny Dykstra was sitting down at the end of the bench with a huge wad of chaw in his mouth, just sitting there quietly. Now his head and goes, he's cussed and said, blanket, I'll go stick him. And just goes up. And that kind of meathead mentality, all confidence, no insecurity was what made Lenny Dykstra great and what hurt Billy Bean with all those, had all his tools, but didn't have that. Right. And then he would go on to... Be a pretty GM successful the GM, days. and then uh, Brad, you always want Brad Pitt to play your life story. Oh, that's a good. I, that you would choose Brad Pitt to yes. play you. In, a lot of people compare us. Yeah, right. Not the many. Brian Kilmeade story yeah. starring Brad Pitt. Right. I'm pretty sure <laughs> not many people have thought about it, but I think they say they're thinking it. The Brian Kilmeade story starring Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh no, thanks. <laughs> Number four. Number four, also, this is going to make me seem like a glutton for punishment, but I'm going to get these failures out of the way. I do think they're important in life and important in sports. There's so many that I remember. The 2009 National Championship game, Longhorns losing to Alabama, the 2006 NBA Finals, the Dallas Mavericks losing to Miami Heat, but... The 2011 World Series, the Texas Rangers, one strike away from winning the World Series twice against the St. Louis Cardinals, and they lose it. They were one strike away. It was that close. You could taste it. They were going to win the World Series. Two innings in a row. They were that close, and they never got it. Wow, failure really makes a big print on you. It does. Next, the year is 1976. It's been my whole youth where every team was bad. Giants were bad. The Mets were bad. The Yankees were bad up until George Steinbrenner buys the team. And they finally put a real good team together before the year before they got Reggie Jackson. The year is 1976. And they're playing the Kansas City Royals in the pennant. And I have to go to a, my first wedding of my life. And I'm in my teens. Probably no, maybe not 76. Um, yeah, I'm, no, I'm 12, and I watch through the reflector of the manager's office when the Yankees are playing the Royals and Chris Chambliss homers to end the game was a walk-off homer. That's when they used to run on the field afterwards. The Yankee Stadium enters. Uh, they all hit the home run. They win the game. They go to play the mighty red machine in the in the World Series, and all of Yankee Stadium runs onto the field. It's their first championship really since the 60s, and they win, and they go to the World Series where they eventually lose in four games to the Red uh, to the Cincinnati Reds. But Chambliss' right. homer did it. First baseman for the team. I want to take a quick intermission on this list to ask you about two other lists. Is baseball what? Your number two sport? I probably. know you love soccer. Yeah, probably, yeah. which gets me to number three. But baseball, you know, I'm mainstream. Not a big golf guy. Never got big into hockey, although Rangers and Islanders were huge in my youth. But I had to make a choice. And I left hockey behind. Football's number one for me. Yeah. Um, also, you've now given five and four, one Mets, one Yankees. So are you a Mets or Yankees guy? I'm not a 
hater, more of a Mets guy than the Yankees guy, but I don't hate, which I really like. I, there's a lot I like about myself, but I think I like that the most about myself. <laughs> yeah. That you're there's bipartisan? A lot of like, yes, I'm bipartisan. <laughs> the countdown continues after this. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Number three. You hinted yeah. at your number three, so you go ahead and do number three first. Number three is the year's uh, 2010, the World Cup. Uh, the, the U.S. team, men's team, always struggles, but they have to win decisively. They have to win and beat Algeria in order to advance to the knockout round against Ghana. And with time running out, Tim Howard, instead of punting it all the way down the field with a throw, finds Landon Donovan, who passes it forward and never stops. With time ticking down, he never stops. The shot ends up going right to the forward. The goal, the shot goes on goal. The rebound comes out to Landon Donovan, who never stopped running. 45 yards, and because they tell you to always follow your shot, Mm -hmm. always follow the play, the ball comes out to him, he puts it in, they win, they advance, game over. To me, 2010, knockout round, they survive, they go to the quarterfinals. To to the quarterfinals against Ghana, a team they also could have beat, but they didn't. I remember, and is that the farthest we've ever gone, U.S.? Quarters, yeah. Never gone to the semis, but they have so many young Teenagers and young 20 players starting and making an impact overseas. You feel overseas. good right now. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They oh. have six starters on premier teams overseas. You right. never see that. Okay. I'm excited. You know I like soccer as well, so we'll see about Team USA. My number three now gets me to my favorite sport, football. And interestingly, it's my favorite team that only comes in at number three, the Dallas Cowboys. This would be the 1992 Super Bowl. Uh, My whole family, big Cowboys fans my entire life, so my dad got Super Bowl tickets when they finally made their way back to the top. This was against the Buffalo Bills, and they absolutely blew out the Bills in the Rose Bowl in California. I mean, it was like a star stuff. I remember being there. Sugar Ray Leonard was walking around. Everywhere you turned, it seemed like there was some celebrity. It was my first Super Bowl I ever went to. I went professionally later several times. And it wasn't even close, which usually isn't one of your best sports memories. But I'll never forget. Because you're such a Cowboy fan. It's different. We blow people out. Yeah. That's why it's not close. That's right. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> it's been 20 years of not right. doing so. The Giants <laughs> barely beat him, and then you guys would crush him the next year. But I'll never forget. Leon Lett had that fumble return for what we thought was a touchdown right in front of me, but Don Beebe comes running down the sidelines, knocks it out of Leon Lett's hands right as he crosses the goal line. Mattered not in the end because what was the score? 52-17 to 17 or something. So this And two, launches the Cowboys dynasty. Uh, this is how crazy I was as a coach. I put two, two moments I always showed to the players. I showed him round seven, Riddick Bow against Holyfield. And, um, and it was Riddick, uh, Holyfield was knocked out on his feet by a guy 30 pounds more than him. But by the end of the round, he had come to, and Riddick Bull was holding on. I go, so the lesson that's, is fight That's the lesson. The number two is uh, Don Beebe. Finish. They were getting, they were getting crushed. There was no, it yes. was no reason to chase Leon let down. But he did because that's what he does. That's right. You fight. You go through the tape. You fight to the end. I don't care what the score is. And I'm sure they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I think they were probably 13. I love that lesson. But to me, I always – and I I talked to Don Beebe, and I put him in my first book, The Games Do Count, and I talk about that moment. Number two. So here's my number two. 
Broncos Packers covering it professionally. So a lot of great Super Bowls. So I've saw over 20 Super Bowls covering them. Never won as a fan. But Favre has come going for back-to-back Super Bowls, supposed to crush the Broncos, who many people thought, oh, I hope they lose. I don't want them to get to the Super Bowl again and be humiliated again. And then John Elway, who used to single-handedly bring the Broncos there, not anymore. He was at the end of the right. rope where Terrell Davis was his team. Mm-hmm. And between the concussion that had him singing double and having to be basically a total... Uh, uh, a total decoy in the backfield in the first half, and the way he was able to battle back and put together that uh, put together that game and pull off that win, mm-hmm. and to see Pat Bowen say this one's for John, I thought that was awesome—a superstar who got very human at the end of his career, who would then go for back-to-back Super Bowls. That was my second moment. So my second is going to share a similar storyline as yours, although as you'll notice, all of mine have to do with my teams back in Texas yeah. and in Dallas. Um, number two to me is the 2011 Dallas Mavericks NBA championship. I love football more than basketball, but the reason that championship somehow resonates more with me than the Dallas Cowboys dynasty of the 90s is because life is about expectations. And I expected that Cowboy team to win. They were so good, and yeah. it felt good to watch a game when you knew they were going to win, you knew they were better. But in 2011, I didn't expect the Mavericks to win at all, and every moment felt like a gift a surprise every moment was I can't believe we're doing this and Dirk Nowitzki who is a class act individual who showed loyalty throughout his entire career to the city of Dallas finally arrives and takes down this dream team super team creation of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and he's surrounded by no other all-stars but Dirk Nowitzki finally battles through and gets his championship for the city of Dallas. He is a local hero. He'll always be a legend in Dallas for that. And that championship was about as sweet as it gets. Well, I agree. And from what I remember, too, Mark Cuban arrived as an owner, but he treated the players great. He made sure that locker room was top notch. He made sure the players had what they wanted. And he created that. I, I also appreciated that. I think we rolled that in when he came and did a feature here. So I could appreciate that. Number. 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 Number one. Number one. Now you're going to be shocked at my number one. Okay. Holyfield Tyson won. Let me put your mindset. So he gets out of prison. Is this the biting one? Uh, No. The first one. So one. he's not so Holyfield yes. already lost his title when he had his heart issue and he's out. So he's supposed to fight Tyson before he went to prison. It's supposed to be the ultimate fight. It's supposed to he has all three titles. He's supposed to win it and he's supposed to go against Tyson. He's going to lose. So Tyson goes to jail. I still have the poster when they were supposed to fight. It was supposed to be June. He goes to jail and he goes to jail for two and a half, three years. So uh, Holyfield's at the dominant division. Then has the heart issue. I think he loses to Michael Moore because and. Whatever happens. So he's, it's the end of the rope. So it's not supposed to be a big fight. And everyone, he's crushing people again. He has everyone scared, whether it's Mercer, goes down, got hit on top of his head. Frank Bruno, muscles coming out of his ears, collapsed and knocked unconscious in the fifth round. So he's going to fight Tyson. Everyone's scared. Not only is Holyfield not scared, they fight after the round, Rocky three style, mm-hmm. where they fight. And I go, wait a second. This guy stood up to this terror that everyone was afraid of in prison. Right. let alone in the ring with trained fighters. He stood up to him, fought him after the round, and in the end had him TKO'd out on his feet in 10 rounds. So he was able to adjust, persevere, survive, outthink, and outwork Mike Tyson and beat him out on his feet. 
to me, the most inspiring thing. I was doing the Big East Championship soccer, women's soccer, and I went to, it was at Notre Dame, the campus of Notre Dame, and I watched with everyone in, uh, on campus that day. And I remember saying to myself, by the end of it, everyone was just shocked what we were seeing. Standing up to Tyson, taking his best blow and coming back. So That's can I tell you what I like about that story? My family and I are watching Survivor right now. I'm watching it with my kids. I love Survivor. It's still on? Well, we're actually watching it on Netflix. I'm okay. watching some random season we oh. never saw. Here's what I love about it, Brian. People reveal themselves in failure. Success doesn't show you anything about people's character. Nothing. It's easy to be a winner, to act like you have class when you're at the top. When Holyfield started to beat Tyson, and then you have that second fight where Tyson unravels and goes yeah. to the ear biting, he showed, in a lot of ways, who he was in the face of failure. And I just love, as we watch Survivor, and it gets tough for these various people, you start to see their personalities in a way you didn't in the first couple of episodes. You thought you liked this character, and now the tide's going against them. You're like, wow, look at this personality. Here's my number one. It's from college football. It's a 2005 National Championship game, Texas Longhorns against USC Trojans. I think it's the best sporting event ever played. It's a seesaw battle back and forth. Stars all over the field on both sides, but the biggest star of all was Vince Young, and it comes down to one play, fourth and seven for the win. I believe it was with something like seven seconds left, and I knew, we all knew, because he was Superman, that Vince Young would find a way to get in, and he did and brought that championship to the Texas Longhorns. Some of the superstars in USC, one was Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert. Um, you had uh, who, who not Keyshawn. He was gone. No, no, he, he was gone. Uh, what was it? Was it Dwayne Jarrett was the receiver? Maybe I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but there, Super, both teams had great stories to win. Like you thought. And by the way, how shocked are you? Great pick. How shocked are you that Vince Young was not a dominant pro? Ter- ter- terribly shocked. He had the size. He's ability, the greatest athlete leader. I've ever seen. He's the greatest athlete I've ever seen play. Dominant. And, yeah, couldn't and I, be stopped. And he was. But it might go to that thing about. Until he faced failure. Right. Might go back to your story at number one. So listen, uh, Will, I was able to bring us in because of my skill and my experience. Are you able to lock us out? I'm going to try my best. Right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. You've been listening to the Fox Top Five on the Fox News Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.